Welcome to the podcast of the United Church of Bogota. We are a Bible-based church ministering to the English-speaking community in Bogota, Colombia. We invite you to join our diverse fellowship as we encounter God in worship and experience the impact of His grace on every part of our lives and in our world. To learn more, please visit our website at ucbogota.org. If you have your Bibles, we'll be reading from Genesis 40 this morning. And so while you're turning there, I want to bring everyone up to speed when it comes to what we've been reading about with regards to the life of Joseph. Many of you might be more familiar with the more pivotal, notable moments in Joseph's life. For example, his first dream as a young boy and telling his brothers, then consequently him being sold into slavery, or the moment when he becomes Pharaoh's advisor, his right-hand man. But today we'll look at a moment in his life when things seem to be a bit uncertain for Joseph. Last week we left off with Joseph being thrown in prison after being accused of pursuing Potiphar's wife. And most will consider that passage as one of Joseph's lowest moments in his life. But still, he had the favor of God, even when he was in prison. The prison guard even saw that the Lord was with him and gave him success in everything he did. Last week, Back shared how God calls us to be faithful in our service, meaning that we are called to be a picture of God himself in our service to the world so that those around us would see the Lord. And finally, we were taught that God calls us to be faithful in our holiness. As children of God, Bax reminded us that God has put his favor on us, and so our response should be faithfulness in our service and faithfulness in our holiness, while understanding that neither one of those things would have us try and earn God's love or favor in our lives. And so I want to reaffirm that for this passage this morning. And so what I'm going to preach this morning is not a be like Joseph sermon. I'm not communicating that. And so we'll pick up with Genesis 40. But before I do, I'd like to tell you that today has been, it's been 534 days since the first lockdown in Colombia as a result of the pandemic. 534 days. So much has changed since then. Right? Some of our dear friends have left and gone on to live in other countries. Some, some of our jobs have changed from working in the office to being remote. Some of our friends have gone on to be with the Lord as a result of dying from the coronavirus. So much has changed, but one thing hasn't changed, and that's uncertainty. I'd argue that uncertainty is the driving force in this pandemic that allows us to grow a bit less patient, right? It causes our anxiety to flare up. Uncertainty makes us angry. Becoming uncertain, it really, really shakes our foundation. And I was reading an article from The Atlantic the other day, and it said that the coronavirus is here to stay and that we can expect it to be like the common cold in the future. 
Sometimes uncertainty makes us feel that there's no end in sight. And for some of us, uncertainty can even make us ask ourselves, can we be certain about anything? Can we be sure about anything? Do you start to feel that uncertainty creep up in you? Do you feel that worry starting to creep up? I don't have to tell you, some of you, that you've been dwelling with this uncertainty all week, so I don't have to tell you that. And you may have someone in the hospital that you're thinking about and you're uncertain about their outcome, their health, because of the virus. Or you may be unemployed still and you're working hard to gain income in the meantime. You may be a parent and you're working hard to raise your children and you're thinking about their future and you're hoping and you're uncertain if they're going to follow Jesus when they grow up. Some of you may be deconstructing your faith and you've asked yourself, how can I be sure that God is there? How can I be sure that God is here? In this passage, we'll discover that Joseph is no stranger to uncertainty. So before we read, I've decided to divide this passage into three scenes. And so we'll read and look at Joseph's knowledge in uncertainty, his courage in uncertainty, and his desperation in uncertainty. And how these scenes in Joseph's story can point us to a God who is certain, a God who is there, and a God who is powerful. And so let's read Genesis 40. I'll be reading from the New International Version. The Cupbearer and the Baker. Sometime later, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their master, the king of Egypt. Pharaoh was angry with his two officials, the chief cupbearer and the chief baker, and put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, in the same prison where Joseph was confined. The captain of the guard assigned them to Joseph, and he attended them. And they had been in custody for some time. Each of the two men, the cupbearer and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were being held in prison, had a dream the same night. Each dream had a meaning of its own. When Joseph came to them the next morning, he saw that they were dejected. So he asked Pharaoh's officials, who were in custody with him in his master's house, why are your faces so sad today? We both had dreams, they answered, but there is no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. Then Joseph said, do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. Sorry, I lost my place there. <laughs> so the cupbearer told Joseph his dream. He said to him, in my dream, I saw a vine in front of me, and on the vine there were three branches, and soon it budded, it blossomed, and it clustered, ripened into grapes. Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes, squeezed them into Pharaoh's cup, and put the cup in his hand. This is what it means, Joseph said to him. The three branches are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your position and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand, just as you used to do when you were his cupbearer. But when all goes well, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison, 
for I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews, and even here I have done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. When the chief baker saw that Joseph had given a favorable interpretation, he said to Joseph, I too had a dream. On my head were three baskets of bread. In the top basket, there were all kinds of baked goods for Pharaoh, but the birds were eating them out of the basket on my head. This is what it means, Joseph said. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head and hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat away your flesh. Now the third day, Pharaoh's birthday, and he gave a feast for all his officials. He lifted up the heads of the chief cupbearer and the chief baker in the presence of the officials. He restored the chief cupbearer to his position, so he once again put the cup into Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker, just as Joseph had said to them in his interpretation. The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. Let's pray. Father God, first we want to thank you for your word. Your word is infallible. We want to thank you for allowing us to see this word and how Joseph's story can tell us more about Jesus' story. Lord, we don't understand every single detail in this passage, so help me communicate what you would have me communicate. Uh, help me speak your truth. Let us better understand the ways we see Joseph's knowledge, Joseph's courage, and his desperation, and how these all point to you. Lord, we are desperate for your word, and thank you for giving that to us. So I pray that you will be with us as you continue to speak to us through the life of Joseph. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Joseph, at this time, Joseph had been in prison for some time, but yet the favor of God was still on him. It was God's favor that allowed Joseph to be given tasks while he was imprisoned. And so his newest task was to be in charge, to be head of the two most recent inmates, the cupbearer and the baker of Pharaoh. And according to the scriptures, we know that these two men worked for Pharaoh, but we're not sure, we're not, we're not certain that they were servants in the traditional sense. Actually, they were more like chiefs, high-ranking officials, um, as the scriptures say. And they were put in prison after offending Pharaoh. And they both had strange dreams sometime after. We aren't exactly sure what they did to offend Joseph, or I'm sorry, Pharaoh, but we are certain that they were depressed after having those dreams that same night. And I want to pause for a moment and tell you that some of you might have heard this passage being preached before, right? And the preacher might have put a lot of emphasis on the dreams in this passage. And some preachers have even taken it a step further and they have encouraged you to go home that night and pay close attention to what you're dreaming about when you sleep. Some of you may even have interpreted this passage as a reminder that God will always speak to you in a prophetic way meaning that when you hear from God, it's always about your future. I'm not here to say that in this passage. And I want to be clear that I'm not here to tell you that God is going to speak to you prophetically through your dreams tonight. I'm not here to say that. What I am here to say is that 
Joseph knew God, and he knew that his ability to interpret dreams came from God. If you've been following this series, then you know that these two dreams from the cupbaker, a cupbearer, and the baker were not the first set of dreams that Joseph has interpreted. And so what makes these interpretations stand out? Where do we see Joseph's knowledge in this passage? Well, if you look at verse 8, it says, We both had dreams, they said, but there is no one to interpret them. Then Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell me your dreams. And so it's very important to note here that Joseph's knowledge did not derive from the ability to interpret the dreams. His knowledge came from knowing who gave him the ability to interpret the dreams. Joseph knows who God is. And that's a very powerful statement. And in the same verse, Joseph not only knows who God is, but he knows that the interpretations of the dreams belong to God. And what does this ownership mean? What does it mean when we read that the interpretations belong to God? Well, it means that every good talent, every thought, every deed, credit that we have is given to us so that we may glorify him with it. And so Joseph is certain that his are not for selfish gain. And they are meant to point people around him to the Lord. And so Joseph was certain that he knew the Lord. And how did he come to know God? If, if you ever thought about that, how did Joseph come to know God? If we look back at Joseph's lineage, then we can see God's character and his faithfulness in the lives of his forefathers. We can imagine Joseph hearing stories about how God provided the ram to Abraham when he was about to sacrifice his own son Isaac. Joseph must have remembered hearing stories about the Lord's faithfulness to his father Jacob, despite Jacob taking his uncle Esau's uh, birthright, Joseph's uncle Esau's birthright, and getting the blessing from Esau as a result of that. And these are all people that are part of Joseph's family. And even as a young boy, Joseph begins to interpret dreams given to him by God. Joseph was certain that he knew the Lord. In J.I. Packer's book, Knowing God, he talks about how important it is to know the God that created the world that we live in and how disorienting it can be to live this life without knowing the God that created us in this world. He uses the example of taking, let's say, a Colombian from Leticia, taking them out of their atmosphere and then putting them in the middle of London. That's a very disorienting um, imagination, a, a scenario. And so they're taken out of their homes and they're placed in a place where they're not aware of the etiquette, the culture, even the language. And so I really like what he says in this quote. He says, we are cruel to ourselves if we try to live in this world without knowing about the God whose world it is and who runs it. The world becomes a strange, mad, painful place, and life in it is a disappointing and unpleasant business for those who do not know about God. 
disregard the study of God and you sentence yourself to stumble and blunder through life blindfolded, as it were, with no sense of direction and no understanding of what surrounds you. This way you can waste away your life and lose your soul. So brothers and sisters, we cannot live this life without knowing the God who created us. I really like what Jeremiah 9, verse 23 and 24 says. It says, this is what the Lord says. Let not the wise man boast of his wisdom, or the strong man boast of his strength, or the rich man boast of his riches. But let him who boasts, boast about this, that he understands and knows me. Joseph knew God and was certain about his ability to interpret dreams from God. But what about us? How can we be sure about the God who created this world? How can we be sure that every good thing belongs to God? Well, we can be sure about all these things because God gave us his word. Yes, this book I'm holding, this book that you own as well, God gave us this word. His word is infallible. His word guides us. His word anchors us. It reassures us. His word challenges us. It corrects us. It convicts us. It's because of his word that we have knowledge of God. And we can be as sure as Joseph when it comes to knowing who God is in our lives because we have his word. As a matter of fact, in 2 Peter 1, 20 and 21, it says, Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So as believers, we must not only believe in the one true God, but we must also believe in the inerrancy of the Scriptures he gave us. This is the knowledge that we can depend on throughout our lives. So Joseph was sure about his ability to interpret dreams that belong to God. And as a result, how does Joseph act? How does he conduct himself when he's interpreting these dreams? Well, he then tells the cupbearer and the baker what their dreams mean. And so first there was the cupbearer. The cupbearer explains his dream. Joseph listens and then interprets the dream by saying that he will be put back in right standing with um, Pharaoh after being released from prison. However, we notice something pretty different about the baker's dream and interpretation. The baker shares his details and Joseph listens and shares the interpretation. And the most outstanding difference between the two is that the cupbearer lives and the baker dies. Now imagine how difficult it must be to break that news to the cupbearer. Scripture tells us that these two men were depressed right after they, they had those dreams. And to add insult to injury, at least for the cupbearer, he not only knows that he'll die, but he knows how he'll die. But yet, Joseph is courageous in that moment even though it's incredibly hard to share that news. He didn't lie to him by misinterpreting the dream 
He didn't withhold the interpretation from them. He didn't even try to console the baker after interpreting the dream. Joseph was able to be courageous because those dreams were actually the truth from God. Brothers and sisters, sharing the truth can be difficult at times. And if you're like me, you know, you think about what may be at risk when you share the truth. We think about our reputation and how that could change. We think about some relationships that can change as a result of sharing the truth. What about our own safety? Sharing the truth takes courage. I'm reminded of the Apostle Paul's courage during his ministry, particularly when he was writing his letters after being in prison for a second time. And so he's writing a letter to one of the young missionaries named Timothy. And in that letter, Paul is exhorting Timothy in his ministry while at the same time sharing the hardship of ministry as a result of courageously proclaiming the gospel in Rome. And at that time, it was illegal to do so. And so Paul recounts his first defense in Rome and how no one came to his aid. He told Timothy that everyone deserted him. But Paul tells Timothy also that the Lord is by his side. Paul found courage in speaking the truth. And in the letter, he goes on to say that the Lord delivered Paul from every evil attack and the Lord will bring him to the heavenly kingdom. You see, Paul was unsure if he would die in prison or not, but he was sure that he would be with the Lord in heaven. Paul was able to be courageous because he believed the truth. And the truth was this, the Lord was with him. Just like Joseph, we too may be called to speak truth to difficult situations. If you're a student, whether college age or middle school, high school, and you're living out your faith in front of your friends, in the classroom, on campus, I want to encourage you all and let you all know that God is with you. You're a parent, young child, and you're doing your best to raise up your child and live out uh, your faith in front of your child. It can be difficult, but God is with you. If you're a minister or a leader and you're being encouraged to have you know, hard conversations and you're speaking the truth, um, that can be polarizing for some people. God is with you. And so we must remind ourselves that not only do our gifts come from God, but God has also given us the truth. And where do we see the truth in this passage, right? The truth in this passage are the very dreams that Joseph is interpreting. And so that we know that they are true because they come from God and they are actually coming to fruition. They're foreshadowing of what's to come. And God is using Joseph to speak the truth to those around him. And so Joseph is able to do so courageously. And so when we speak the truth, we not only should do so because we see that happening with Joseph, but because we have the Holy Spirit. And I'll dare to go even further. God still uses us when we are not courageous. 
So let's look at how Joseph's desperation plays out in this passage. So far, this passage shows us that Joseph is certain about where his knowledge comes from. He's courageous enough to speak the truth to the cupbearer and the baker. But we haven't spoken about Joseph's desperation. Let's read what Joseph says right after he interprets the cupbearer's dream in verse 14 and 15. It says, But when all goes well with you, remember me and show me kindness. Mention me to Pharaoh and get me out of this prison. I was forcibly carried off from the land of the Hebrews. And even here, I have done nothing to deserve being put in a dungeon. Now, it's pretty clear why Joseph is saying this to the cupbearer instead of the baker, right? Well, it's because the cupbearer is the one who's going to go on and live and not die. And let me take a moment here and say that Joseph, is, he's not being unfaithful to God in his desperation. And we've been sharing that, jo- uh, that God's power and favor in Joseph's life has nothing to do with what Joseph is doing or even who he is. I'm also not saying that being desperate is a sin when things go awry in our lives. If we're being honest with ourselves, we were born desperate. We were born in desperate need of a savior. What I'm saying is that there's a very human experience that Joseph has that we can all relate to, even in the middle of his courage. If you've been following the news, then you'll know that it's been reported that the the Taliban has overtaken Afghanistan's capital, Kabul, and it's left over thousands of people to flee for their lives. And this act of, of terrorism has left thousands of Afghans to be in desperate need of safety, refuge. Their homes were abandoned, lives have been lost. And just a few days ago, news reported that there has been a suicide bomber in Kabul airport that killed over 100 people, mainly Afghans, due to the deadly explosion. What's, what's devastating about this news is that more bombing is expected to happen in the next few days. And they're uncertain about what's, what's going to happen. This tragic news is just a glimpse of the ongoing tension that's been going on in Afghanistan for the past few decades. And desperation is at an all-time high. And although most of us have never experienced desperation at that level that the Afghans are going through right now, Like Joseph, we are all too familiar with what desperation feels like. Most of us have never been in prison, but we have tried to take matters into our own hands to get some sense of normalcy. In the city, we know what desperation looks like when there are families in need of food and shelter. The nation of Colombia knows what desperation looks like when we try to accommodate and help Venezuelan refugees. And we've all desperately wanted to move back past this pandemic and the grief that it's all caused us. 
We would do anything to be certain of a better outcome. And we're all tired of this pandemic, right? And we're desperate for things to go back to where they used to be. But, but I have a question for you. What are you desperate for? As I said earlier, we're all born desperate. But what are you desperate for? Too often we feel distraught because of what is happening around us in our lives, and we, we want to try to make sense of it all. But this uncertainty, it confuses us. It makes us anxious. It worries us. Joseph was uncertain about his future after he was being put in prison. Would he rot away in prison? I'm sure that's a thought that came across his mind. The cupbearer and the baker were uncertain about the dreams that they had, and they were uncertain about their future as well. We, too, can be uncertain about the specific details of our future, but I'm so thankful that we don't have to worry about our future. You see, we don't have to worry about our circumstances or our future because God gave us his son, Jesus Christ. Our deserving death and separation from God was indeed certain, but so was Jesus's death on the cross. It was only Jesus who was certain on his mission to the world as the second Adam. His crucifixion removed our sin and has put us in right standing with God. And as believers, we can be certain that the brokenness in our lives and in our hearts will be restored through the redemptive power of Jesus Christ. Jesus not only died for our sins, but he allowed us to be reconciled back to our Father so that we may know him and glorify him. Joseph was blessed with the ability to interpret, interpret dreams by God, and so we see that God continues to not only use Joseph, but also his entire messy family to usher in Jesus to this world. God gave Joseph those abilities, and he gave us his son. And God's word points us all to Jesus. Joseph knew not only that the dreams belong to God, but we belong to God. And we can be certain that we are his creation. And because God gave his only son to become a manservant and die for our past, present, and future sins, we can be certain that Jesus Christ has already done the redemptive work to restore creation to what is pleasing in God's sight. We can also be sure that if we confess and believe in our hearts and confess with our mouths that Jesus is Lord and Savior of our lives, then we too can be certain that we are a part of Abraham's lineage. We belong to him, and that is what we can be certain about. We can be certain that we belong to God. Let's pray. Father God, we want to thank you for this word. Thank you for the opportunity to look at the life of Joseph. Thank you for reminding us that the favor that you gave Joseph also is the favor that you give us. We haven't done anything. It's not who we are. It's not what we do that uh, warrants this favor that you've given us. 
Um, it's actually because of your son, Jesus. That's what we're desperate for. We're desperate for you. We're desperate for relationship with you. And we have relationship with you. If we confess with our hearts that you sent your son, Jesus, to die for our sins. Lord, that's it's an amazing privilege to come to you and to realize that and to be reminded of that in our uh, reading this morning, in the sermon this morning. We thank you for looking at the different scenes of Joseph, how his knowledge pointed us to you, how his courage points us to you, and how his desperation even points us to you. And so, Lord, as we continue to wrestle with this passage, wrestle with our uncertainty, we thank you that we can be certain that you are with us. We can be certain that if we proclaim or profess Jesus as the Lord and Savior of our lives, that we can be certain that we will have life eternal with you. And so, Lord, thank you for that certainty. Um, and as we conclude the service, thank you that we can bring our, our doubts and our, our fears and, and be certain in what you have given us, which is your word. And we thank you for that. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information or would like to support the ministry of UCB, please visit our website at ucbogota.org.